Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. Today, we are in Season 1, Episode 19. Uh, I am Ben Patterson. I'm joined, as always, by Paul Hubart. Yeah, good to be here. We've got a special guest with us as well. Yes, we do. Right, Wyatt. Honored to be here, you guys. Welcome to the podcast. Big fans, big fans of the podcast. Oh, that's good. Hey, man, that's kind. That's a, we, we always appreciate the plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, plugging our podcast while, while, I'm while on listening it. to the podcast. Yeah, These are the people we really need to be plugging it to. <laughs> okay. you, got me, you got me there. You got me there. I'll tell all the other podcasts I'll be on. Yeah, that's second. good. That's good. But uh, Rocky, if you don't know him, he is our youth and family minister here at Grace Chapel. Uh, so, Rocky, for anyone who doesn't know you, why don't you just go ahead and tell a little bit about yourself? All right. Uh, yeah, I've been here at Grace Chapel for going on 17 years, and uh, I'm very grateful for that opportunity, the longevity to be here with. This is my family, and uh, family yeah. is what matters most to me. I love, um, I get to do ministry alongside my wife. She, in a volunteer capacity, does a lot with youth and children, so I'm so grateful for her involvement. And then we have three kids, one in high school, one in middle school, one in elementary school right now. And so it's just fun getting to um, experience life with them through the different phases and start to realize I didn't know a whole lot about youth ministry or young people, you know. And now that they're in that phase, I realize, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. But I love figuring it out. I love coming alongside them, my own children, and other youth and their families to what we say fuel faith in the next generation so that's what i'm passionate about i also thoroughly enjoy movies Mm. ben and i share a a love for movies going to movies (laughs) and and often our um, conversations around here is hey what what do you think about that movie that was crazy oh yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) i also learned Plenty of this. Well, Paul loves a good movie now and then. Uh, we don't necessarily share the same passion. <laughs> yeah, if we were to do an entire movies. podcast about movies, I would be the odd man out yeah. and would have a hard time uh, contributing to the conversation. That's all right. That's yeah. not yeah. what it's about. We'll make a special edition way. episode. Okay. I'll, I'll still make a rocky statement. Yes, you make that happen. They'll just be uninformed. <laughs> Ill-informed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have invited Rocky to join us today for a couple reasons, partly just because he's a gnarly feller. <laughs> gnarly means different things to different people. Uh, gnarly is good. Gnarly is good. It's good. Okay, it's yes. in a good way. Okay. Yes. Uh, but also because yesterday we had a special Sunday at Grace Chapel, yeah. uh, our Milestone Sunday, and you are super passionate about the about youth, about the next generation. So we just, man, love your thoughts on this conversation and uh, excited to dive into this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so... It was our milestone Sunday. We also continue our series under pressure. Yep. But Rocky, for those who don't know what that is and what that means, why don't you tell them a little bit what is what is milestone Sunday, Grace Chapel? What is that all about? Yeah, well, we borrowed this idea of milestones from someone else. I'm sure uh, we are what we call an orange thinking church and partnering church and home. And so we want to. What are some pivotal moments you know that that mark changes in a family's life? And so we think about pausing to think what really matters and are we succeeding? Are we doing what we are setting out to do? And so there are several milestones, of course, we could celebrate. We thought, man, it would be so, I think, a a beautiful connection to do our baby dedication where we invite families who have had uh, new babies in their home over the last year to do that baby dedication on the same day we recognize our seniors and celebrate this milestone in their lives that they're going to be graduating high school and moving on to whatever is next 
what if we put those on the same day and have this beautiful imagery of the faith journey that um, families go on and are, what can we as a church family do to rally around them, support, encourage them. I think it's a beautiful thing. It was so meaningful yesterday as we got to celebrate those babies and their families and seniors and their families. Love it. Yeah, it was it was a really cool day, and it was a special day for me as well as a small group leader. Yes. I'm a small group leader of our uh, junior and senior guys, so I've been with them since sixth grade and got to celebrate three of my guys who are moving on to this next phase of their life. Right. So it was a it was a really cool day, and in addition to that, we had our message on continuing this series under pressure and I know Paul you were able to really connect that into what we were talking about on a milestone celebration into this Sunday so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what that message was about this week how we kind of continued this series yeah it's been really interesting how the last two weeks really uh, sort of unplanned but planned um, you know as we were already going to be in this series from first Thessalonians for the, the month of May that chapter two lines up uh, with, with Mother's Day well in that we were thinking about what it means to be family and the importance of family being the family of God as well. Uh, and then this third chapter really lined up well with, with Milestone Sunday because Paul is talking about, the Apostle Paul that is, about um, the hope that he had for the next generation of Christians in this town called Thessalonica. So we've been in this letter now for three weeks. Uh, if, you, if you've been with us already, you'll remember that Paul is writing to a group of people who find themselves under pressure, and that really comes to a head in this third chapter uh, of this letter, as Paul is actually expressing his concern for the Thessalonican Christians, saying, "You know, we reached this point where we were afraid about what was happening to you as you were finding yourselves under pressure. Mm-hmm. We were afraid that maybe you would come to the place where where you would walk away from faith, where the pressure would be too much for you." And so, uh, you know, I've been making the point really throughout this whole series that that we have a lot to learn from the Thessalonican Christians about what it looks like to live faith while being under pressure. You know, it can be pressure from without, pressure from within. Um, We have a lot to learn from them. We have a lot to learn from the Apostle Paul as he engages with them as well, because we are now people as Christians who increasingly find ourselves under pressure. I shared again the the John Mark Comer quote uh, yesterday from the book Live No Lies, kind of at the beginning of the, the message. That, that talks about the fact that you know Christianity and Christians in general used to hold a place of honor in society. Now we hold more what he characterizes as a place of shame. And so it is becoming increasingly to live uh, as a cultural Christian for sure, more difficult to live as a cultural Christian, which is maybe why we can explain some of the phenomenon of people who are walking away from faith. Um, you know, but for those of us who want to live more faith, who want to live faithfully, who want to live out our faith uh, in a very genuine way, it's it's becoming more and more difficult as well. And so, um, the Apostle Paul reached this point where where he could again stand it no longer. So he sent his young disciple, his young protege, apprentice Timothy, um, who would have been about 21 at this time. Uh, you know, he was probably about 16 when he first started engaging with Paul. So young, like one of our you know youth group folks. Paul was um, a youth minister. Right. Yeah, Paul was a youth minister. He was the first. He was the first. Uh, and so, uh, and, and killed it too. So he had Timothy and Titus, his two two youth group members. So anytime we feel, you know, like, I only have two youth group members. If that's you, you're doing great if you got Paul and uh, you know, Timothy and Titus. And so, um, and so uh, you know, he sent Timothy at 21 now to go and check on this church in Thessalonica. Uh, and I'm sure Paul was rejoicing. I mean, can you imagine the, the pride he had as he knew I can send Timothy 
because he's faithful and steadfast. I can send him. I can trust him to go check on this church and then come back and give us this report. And then his excitement as he receives this report, knowing that this is a church that was under persecution, that was really struggling, that was under pressure. Timothy comes back and gives this report that that they're, they're doing well. Their faith is flourishing in the midst of pressure. And, and the Apostle Paul makes this statement. Uh, we kind of camped here for just a little bit because I think it's just a really powerful statement. He says, now that, now that we know you're standing firm in the Lord, it's now in this moment that we really live. Almost as if he's saying, I'm so excited about the faith that I see in the Thessalonian Christians that, that I feel like for the first time in life, I'm really living. Mm. So, so I asked out of that, and I think it's important for us to, to think about this. I asked the question out of that, you know, what, what is it that makes you come alive, really? I mean, we think about a whole lot of different things that might give us an adrenaline rush or that might um, leave us feeling really fulfilled in that moment, but what makes you come alive, really? And, and for the Christ follower, then I asked this second question, you know, what if nothing made us feel so alive? Looking at the example of the Apostle Paul, as the moment that we saw the evidence that someone else we deeply cared about was truly embracing eternal life. Mm. You know, what, what if that brought us to life like nothing yeah. else? And I know for the three of us, that's, I think that's true about us. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things that bring us alive, but, but what about that moment that we see someone, you know, that, that young person you've invested in for some time, whether it be us, you know, our children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ben, you talked a little bit about leading communion thoughts with one of these uh, with one of these uh, young men that you've been leading in your small group for how many years did you say it was? Six years. Six years. Yeah. yeah. So, so you see him living out his faith, him, faith his, him embracing his faith. He actually told a story about um, kind of a moment where he was struggling in his faith, going and spending some time with God, coming back and being renewed and refreshed. Mm-hmm. I mean, those moments for us as, as leaders within the church ought to be moments that then, again, just truly bring us alive, especially as we think, uh, about the next generation. And, and again, um, since the entire context of this series is, um, is what it looks like to live life under pressure and live faithfully, mm-hmm. I think for me there was this moment of acknowledging that, that the next generation is, is facing, at least from what I can see, at times unique pressures. Mm-hmm. Or, or pressures that maybe are old pressures, but they're, they're manifesting themselves in, in new ways to some degree. And so how, how can we live in such a way as a church? I think that's the question we need to wrestle with, that we are imparting faith truly to the next generation, knowing that they're going to be facing a whole host of pressures. Yeah. But that our desire, our hope for them is that they live faithfully in spite of the pressures of that mm-hmm. they're going to face. So it kind of leads to, I guess, an obvious question that maybe comes out of that statement is what pressures are they facing? It's like uniquely, what pressures are the next generation facing? And I'll throw this to you first, Rocky, and just uh, what, what what would you say just in your in your observation? Not that you're you're not a researcher or yeah. anything, but you are someone who's very passionate about youth ministry and you work with teenagers a lot. So what what pressures would you say they're facing? Well, I think. It's first worth acknowledging that um, while times they are changing, as you've yeah. said, that lyric uh, in your <laughs> message, Bob Dylan. Yeah. yeah, that that is true. There is also nothing new under the sun. Like so, so they're both true. Like so, let's talk about what's what's it changing. What are the pressures? Mm-hmm. And then 
in a minute we can maybe talk about but but what's really at the root of that so I thought you're about to make a frozen two reference there and oh. say but some things never change hmm. <laughs> so hmm. I throw that in there I missed that opportunity but you did. thank you, you did. for bringing thank it you. back around you know that song I have a six-year-old daughter <laughs> and so yeah I do know the song yes it's true yeah so some of the pressures of this generation um, just observing teenagers having a couple in my home and the interaction I have with them would be the non-stop notifications these devices that yeah. we give them and I, yes. I, I gotta say I know that technology and um, social media and things could be a like just a, an easy scapegoat it, it could be that so I'm not completely just down on that but it would be foolish to not acknowledge that that is a legitimate source of yeah. or contributor to the pressure that yeah. young people feel For sure and probably older people too but the it's not it's nonstop. Uh, the screen time, the the feeling of needing to constantly be on to uh, stay connected, to feel, and, and again, there are beautiful things to that. There are also some detrimental things to always feeling connected. And if I'm not, I'm missing out on something. And so that right. pressure uh, is is tremendous. Um, yeah. Also, just the the noise, always something playing, being entertain entertaining us, either uh, scrolling through video after video after video after video or even something I'm guilty of constant music uh, constant podcasts always someone talking to me <laughs> or singing to me and there are some really cool things about being able to access just about any song you want on YouTube and Spotify whatever, wherever you find your, your things um, man it also if, if we don't have quiet and I, I just think that's a pressure that's, mm. that's changing the way that young people that a next generation is processing yeah, things. Right. Something that comes along with the screen time and the interaction on social media is this feeling of wanting to be famous, insta-fame, so to speak. Like I, right. I, There was a day when famous people were celebrities and pro athletes and uh, musicians and mm -hmm. rock stars and movie stars. That's that's still true, but that also we could be famous. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. I don't expect to be famous, but anyone could be famous, and yeah. it just takes a viral video to or be an influencer. To be an influencer, yeah. and you walk <clears throat> down the street, and people recognize you. Could be at high school and be an influencer and have mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of followers, and so that is a uh, it's alluring, it's tempting. Like I I desire that, and the pressure, like, well, why aren't people following me? Why don't I have mm. people affirming me all the time? And so I, I think that's a legitimate thing. It's a legitimate business nowadays. Yeah. I say legitimate. <laughs> it is something that people are doing. It's happening. It yeah. is happening. Uh, then there are other pressures that, um, pressure to perform. I think that's always been the case. Maybe, I don't know. But I think it's increasing like the, the expertise on athletics to, if you're going to be pro, if you're going to you know be, be yes. great, play at D1, you've got to start. I mean, just the... That expectation is starting prematurely, in my opinion, yeah. to give them these. Um, you know, one sport specialization. And specialization. That's yeah, the word yeah, I was looking for. Yeah, yeah you're exactly right. Um, so I think those expectations to perform are, are tremendous, and I I had some of that going up, but it has moved younger and younger. Now that middle schoolers are having to start picking their pathway, yeah. there's some good things about that that help them think about their future. I, I'm not totally down on that, but man, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated high school. I didn't really even know mm. when I graduated college. I was still trying to figure that out. So it's just a daunting thing that the pressure to 
perform and um, and have had their lives figured out. And so people telling them what it should be and comparing themselves. We're doing this series yeah. right now with our youth that I mm-hmm. think is tremendously helpful about comparing ourselves to others and being jealous when we see what others are doing and this pressure like I'm not living up to them I'm not enough mm-hmm. to be as good as they are I, th- I think is tremendous those yeah. are a few that come to my mind cool. Paul what would yeah. you add to that the pressures that the next generation is facing uh, I think what, what Rocky's speaking to is uh, relates to the general pressures is, is spot on I mean certainly um, yeah if I think about uh, for, for me to engage with, with something that would have a negative influence upon me, and I'm, I'm 43, so, uh, you know, rewind the clock 25 years as an 18-year-old, um, for me to engage with something that would have a negative influence upon me, I would often have to pursue that thing. And what has really flipped, what has changed, is that those things seem to, with this generation, constantly be pursuing them. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, if you think about, uh, I think we've all seen uh, the documentary, um, that, uh, that that basically is exposing uh, what what the effect that social media in its various mm-hmm. uh, incarnations has upon this generation is called a social dilemma. I think it's on Netflix, and you could find that uh, if you want to take a look at that. But uh, in there, they they do a really good job of showing how uh, different algorithms, uh, different formulas are used to figure out exactly when you might be most susceptible. To a certain particular message so that you will again then click and check it out and see what's going on there and and if we think that all of those things that those advertisers or um, you know uh, whether it be uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it happens to be if we think that all of those things that they're pointing our uh, children and this next generation to are positive things we're, we're probably out of our mind I mean they're, they're probably often not positive things they're negative things uh, on, on, a, on a regular basis you know and so um, I think the big difference in the shift is is seen in again I I had to pursue things that often would influence me negatively um, now those things are intentionally pursuing this this current generation and so yeah. you know I think that's I think that is a big shift in in the way that that things are happening and so uh, whether it be things like social media uh, whether it be things you know I can think even about you know sports teams I always had to go try out for sports teams. Now um, I've got you know traveling teams pursuing my kids, trying to get my kids to come play for them. Yeah. And you know, again, the, the pressure of all these things—it's—it's it's the the different level of intentionality. And I understand you know intentionality can be a, a good thing when it's us intentionally pursuing the things of God. When it's the things of the world intentionally pursuing us, mm-hmm. well, then we become kind of at the mercy of those those things that are pursuing yeah. us. And so I think. Um, you know, I think when we think about the pressure that the next generation is facing, you know, we can talk about, um, you know, even think about just this one example in my life. I can remember, uh, you know, being in high school and being given, uh, you know, a, a pornographic magazine, right? So I'm given by a friend this pornographic magazine. Um, I had to make the choice of what I'm going to do with that magazine. Now, you know, I was pretty sure if I brought that magazine home, I'm going to get caught by my parents. So I actually ended up putting it in the trash can before I left, uh, before I left the school that day. Um, I would have had to intentionally be sneaky to find a way to get that into my house. And we talk about, you know, kind of the fingertip phenomenon that everything is at the tip of your fingers now mm-hmm. with the devices that we have. Rocky talked about that, whether it be, you know, phones, laptops, tablets, everything is right at, at, at our fingertips. And so um, those things will pursue us. If we decide to pursue them, it's so much easier to find them. And so just I think the, the easy access to negative influences 
Um, I think that's, we used the word unprecedented a lot in the last few years, but I, I do think it is somewhat unprecedented in that sense. Now, again, as Rocky said, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same kinds of temptations. What is new, I think, is the level of access yeah, that we have to where those things, again, they're pursuing us, or if we wanted to pursue them, it's just so easy to, to get to that place. So I think there's a, there's a lot of pressure. I, um, you know, as well, if I can mention one last thing, um, you put all of this together, the pressures that our kids are facing, the evidence of that pressure is, is in the fact that we continue to see uh, especially the teen suicide rate rise. We've exactly. seen that in the last several years, and you could put some of that on the pandemic, no doubt, uh, the isolation. But but all these things are actually, I think, creating further isolation. We've talked about you know headphone culture before. You know, mm -hmm. everywhere you go, people have their headphones in, so they're listening to what they've got here, and and the the social engagement, the real meaningful social engagement, is is disappearing, and so. Um, you know, it's the lack of those kinds of relationships that lead people to this place where they feel hopeless about what's ahead, why live, what's the purpose in living. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that, that's hard. This generation is feeling many pressures uh, exerted upon them at the same time in, in maybe new ways that, that we are just now figuring out how to start addressing. So, you know, I think, uh, I think that's I think that's where we find ourselves. You know, Rock, I'll ask you real quick. Um, you know, given given the pressure that the next generation is under in, in this current moment, um, if you had to look at a few things that concern you most, what what might you be able to share with us about that? Yeah, I'll boil it, boil it down to, I think, something that is not new. It is something that is as old as time, as old as sin, <laughs> and that is... To whom are we going to listen? Mm. And that is that is not a new problem. Um, that when young people struggle with faithfulness, it is because they're not listening to God. Yeah. That's true for adults. It's, it's yes. timeless. That's true for yeah. all people of all places. The way it's manifested itself and the attacks of the evil one <laughs> on this generation, you know, like just at least in our culture, is. A newer way than what we experienced based on what we just talked yeah. about so yeah. I guess the que question I would ask the concerns I have is like that they can't they won't listen to God the, the voice of truth they yeah. won't listen to God <clears throat> that's what concerns yeah. me there's so much coming at them there's so yeah. much happening and so much noise and um, mm. the, the, the lies are deafening and relentless and it's just very hard to hear what is true in all of this mess. We were talking earlier about the um, the lunar eclipse last night, the blood moon lunar yeah. eclipse. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. um, found out about yesterday, and as I was driving home from youth night last night, saw this gorgeous moon, and then remembered, oh, there's a lunar eclipse night, and it happened to be early enough in the wee hours of the morning that I was like, I can stay up and check this thing out. It was just after midnight that it was at its peak. And while I was out watching this beautiful, gorgeous phenomenon that I praise in our Creator for making this possible, I was, it just occurred to me, what a bummer it would have been if it had been cloudy last night. And that has happened before that we've had eclipses that yeah. we miss in our area or a meteor shower or something yeah, right. because there's cloud coverage. Mm -hmm. And so as I was standing out there last night, I was thinking, man, what a bummer it would have been. What a shame it would have been if I had missed this whole thing because it had been clouded out just the, the yeah. coverage. And so the metaphor, I'll make the jump with you if, if you haven't already gotten there, is 
the voice of truth, like God, who is not the moon, but uh, God is, his, his truth is there. The beauty, the, uh, the reality of God and his creation and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all that is there. And his voice is trying to, um, trying, he is constantly speaking to us, to his people. And yet, through the pressures of the world, the busyness, the, the lies, etc., etc., all the things we just talked about, it is making it increasingly difficult. The cloud coverage, so to speak, that covers the, the voice of truth, you know, is becoming so dense, so difficult that we can't see this thing that would change our lives, just bring awe and beauty in our lives, and, and it's true. So I would say uh, the, what concerns me the most is who is talking about Jesus with them and who, who is going to help break through the noise, break through the clouds, break, break through all that pressure and say, you need to know Jesus. And obviously that comes in the form of discipleship, which we can yeah. talk about. But um, I just think that's the, yeah. that's the main issue is uh, that concerns me the most is how in all of this hot mess are they going to hear <laughs> the voice of Jesus, you know, the voice of truth, hear about Jesus. That's really that's really good. That's really good. It just reminds me of uh, in, in I believe C.S. Lewis's work, uh, the Screwtape Letters. He writes that the the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise, mm-hmm. and that is what like that's one of the main pressures I think a lot of our young people are living in right now is that we're in this kingdom of noise, and, and that's a really helpful helpful mm-hmm. metaphor that that noise can can cloud out the voice of truth right. there. Um, so I guess my next question for you would be that despite these pressures and despite some really real pressures and issues that uh, the next generation is facing, you still have hope. Um, that's clear by your actions, by the way you live, by the way you continue to invest in young people. So I would just ask, what, what gives you hope? That God is still speaking. That yeah. he is still there. And he is continually pursuing us. And sometimes it's in the form of a whisper. It can be in the context of nature. Um, it's often in a, a, another person who's willing to speak mm-hmm. boldly, courageously, share the good news or offer to pray. And young people desperately need that. We, we need that. And um, so I would say that, that God is still speaking and there are still people listening and obeying. You know the Shema in the Old Testament yeah. that is still spoken yeah. by many today. And I think it's an important thing. I, this word just to listen implies and obey. So we, uh, it gives me hope that there are people here in our context at Grace Chapel and across the world who despite or in the face of, under mm-hmm. the cloud of pressure are still Listening, you know, trying to clear the way to listen to the voice of truth. I think about the, our precious friends in India. I know you've traveled yeah. in places around the world to know and, and connect with people around the world who, despite even violent pressure, oppression, are because of their faith, are listening to God, are listening to the yes. voice of truth, are continually, continually going to Scripture to know what does He have to say, say to us. What as we want to know what is true, we're seeking him out. And I am hopeful Mm -hmm. for that. And that is my desire to provide that at Grace Chapel. And and I'm grateful we're at a place 
that is doing that. And so um, the other thing we hear regularly that gives me hope that we hear from our college graduates is like when we ask them, what did Grace Chapel do well? And there are plenty of things that we could improve on for sure, but what do we do well? And that is providing community, mm-hmm. providing Christian community. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we will always, I believe, will always win over social media and mm-hmm. screens. Mm-hmm. They cannot provide community community the way we can. And not that it's a competition. We just believe it is the way God designed to help people hear Him, know Him, mm-hmm. experience Him, and uh, experience His presence is uh, not exclusively, but very importantly in the context of Christian community. So I think we do that well, and that gives me hope that wherever there are believers gathering, it's helping the next generation. Because I love the Psalm, I believe it's 78, where the next generation will know the works of the Lord because right. one is going to tell it to the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a critical thing that just came to my mind that I celebrate at Grace Chapel and any church that is uh practices multi-generational yes. you know, faith building yeah. community and um, that, that can come in a lot of different forms but uh, people of multiple generations who are willing to interact with one another, speak in each other's mm-hmm. lives, uh, be in the same room when we're worshiping together, hear from different voices on stage or and so I, I just think that's critical. Yeah I think that's really good. I think you, know, you mentioned <clears throat> some of the folks that we we have connections with in India or other places, mm-hmm. whether it be China, um, you know, some in West Africa, where where uh, these folks, the, the kind of pressure that they're facing is is the kind um, that basically would, would make them feel fearful. They're they're afraid of being harmed for the faith that they cling to, right? That they that they own, yeah. and so they're afraid of maybe speaking that in the public spaces because. Um, because of the things, the bad things that could happen to them. Yep. You know, here, kind of on the flip side of that, what we're dealing with in the United States is, is a little bit different, uh, you know, especially for the, for the kind of the younger generation. I think there's more, as you kind of alluded to, this, this fear of missing out on these things that the world is saying, these are really good things. Mm-hmm. And so if you say yes to Jesus, you're going to miss out on all these other really good things. And so there's this kind of struggle, this battle. Um, you know, what gives me hope? As, as I have watched, both with some of our, our young people here, um, but then with, with some of us who are a little bit older as well, is that, that as we have maybe spent some time pursuing some of those things, and especially with some of our young folks, as I've even heard them talk about this, um, who, who maybe spent a season of life chasing after some of those things that the world was saying, here, this is good, you ought to chase after this. Because of the framework, the paradigm, the, the worldview that they were embracing already internally, the, the Christian worldview, the, the Jesus-centered worldview, as they pursued those things, it didn't take them long to identify that those things are counterfeit good. Mm-hmm. You know, And so that, that does give me hope. And, and I think actually more and more what we're seeing is young people who especially have been connected with, with a church experience saying, that's not that's not what real life is all about. But we're also seeing, I think, parents wake up to the fact that, um, that man, we, we have got to own, we have got to be the first disciplers of our kids. Yeah. We, as, we as parents have to be. <laughs> and so for parents to be coming and asking, How, what does that look like? How can I do that? Um, thank you for saying that even. You know, I, that to me is is a very hopeful thing is that you know, the current generation is saying, I do have a responsibility to the next generation. Sometimes we're seeing that responsibility uh, already bearing out positive dividends and that the next generation is saying, uh, yeah, I tried some of that stuff that the world was said would be so good. Um, 
but but it wasn't the real good thing. It wasn't the true good thing. Sure. So um, <clears throat> as we think about that, <clears throat> j- just want to ask you a question that will come out of this uh, final statement that, that I made during the message portion. Uh, it said basically this, you know, speaking of, thinking about the idea of being under pressure again. So as we find ourselves under pressure, the challenge was to those of us who are Christ followers to lean into the kind of discipleship that through the grace of God will lead us to rejoice as the Apostle Paul was able to in the faithfulness of the next generation. Yeah. So with that, the question is this, I, you know, what can we do uh, from your perspective? What can we do to invest in discipling the next generation? How would we do that well? I believe it's how can we help them hear God? How can mm. we help them hear from God? And um, that pretty obviously comes in the form of um, are they reading scripture? Mm-hmm. So in the home, at, in church environments, with an individual, a neighbor, whomever we're discipling, are we talking about what mm-hmm. we learn about God from Scripture? And what do we learn about us? What does He desire from us? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to? Um, how do the, we then engage in the mission of Christ mm-hmm. as a result of what we saw? Who do we need to tell about this? How do we need to love our neighbor better as a result of this? What? justice work in the world that we need to be a part of because we're moved because the spirit is helping us know that we're able to hear what we've got to say and so i think that's um, Mm -hmm. a key role for us practically a couple things that that might look like is especially we who are parents or have um, influence and authority with young people Mm -hmm. is help them clear out some of that noise, the kingdom of noise, help help um, adjust that, help them clear clear the clutter out, and um, to make better rhythms. We've been talking a lot about rhythms in our youth ministry this year to um, this just develop daily, weekly, monthly, regular habits, <laughs> routines that help us turn our attention to God, help us listen to mm-hmm. Him. So th- those would come in the form of prayer, um, meditating on scripture, a uh, variety of things, fasting on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially, I, I don't do this well in my family, but I love the idea of Sabbath uh, in some form, taking a time out of break where all phones are off, no mm-hmm. meeting, you know, it's unstructured time mm-hmm. just to be together. And I think uh, alone time with God is critical in whatever form that may come. I know, Ben, you like to take walks with God and mm-hmm. have conversations, whatever rhythm those come in. So I think we, I mean, that's not natural. They need, mm-hmm. I think we need to help teach them that. And then of course, it's not a, like, it's not enough to just turn off social media. That's not the end goal to just mm-hmm. not have screen time. It's so that we can hear from God. So we need to model this. We need to model listening to, to God ourselves. We parents, mm-hmm. we older design, you know, are we doing that ourselves and listening to guidance and then teaching them how to do that? That would be pretty key to this. One one other thing I did want to ask, I I did make a note. In addition to the positive, like the the modeling things, like a negative side of this would be, are there any ways we're putting pressure on young people? Mm. Are there any ways that we're adding to the pressure because of expectations we have? As a parent, I'm not going to throw a standard out the window and to say there's no expectation no you you do you that's not what I'm saying I am saying I think it's worth constantly evaluating is what I'm expecting of them actually helping them fulfill the mission of God on earth and 
You can do that by taking a bunch of AP tests, uh, AP courses, or not. You can do that by being in travel ball mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or yep. not playing any ball. You know, just yep. playing in your backyard like I did growing up. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> I could go on and on. Y'all get the point. You yeah. can do that yeah. by having screens in your home and teaching them how to use them responsibly and have a filter to know, like, yeah. I, I know that I need to have a limited amount of time and I need to not watch this. This is okay. But, I mean, I, I just think that it's important to mm -hmm. um, to monitor. Are we adding any extra anxiety and pressure in their lives unnecessarily yeah. beyond yeah, what really the world good. is going to do because they're going to mm -hmm. do it? Are we adding any? And then what can we do to help create a place of of peace, you know, shalom, contentment in our homes as, as much as we, we can that um, helps us hear from God and so that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, Rocky, I think that's some really helpful uh, helpful wisdom and helpful thoughts around that of how, uh, how we can be discipling the next generation. So as we kind of start to come to a close, we end this uh, we end this podcast every time by asking this question of how can we practice what we've been talking about to be faithful to Jesus. So I'm gonna send that question to both of y'all and just see like what would y'all what would y'all say if how can we practice this to be faithful? Yeah. Okay. Um, if if I could maybe just uh, restate some of what Rocky said and, and and add just a little bit to this, you know, we we have heard for a time as parents and. Uh, and, and older adults that the reality is that uh, our children or young people will see what we do long before they hear what we say right so I think about in my own house um, if I'm asking my children to say yes to some of these things uh, if, if we're asking our children to watch their screen time for example we have we've got a rule at our house uh, no, no cell phones at the dinner table right so um, if I've got my cell phone at the dinner table, you know what's going to happen the next time I say to one of my boys, hey, boys, no phones at the dinner table. They're going to say, hey, but you you had your cell phone at the dinner table last week. And so um, so I think we've my, got to be... My oldest said to me yesterday, he's one month from getting his driver's license. Yeah. I was doing something in the car yesterday with my phone that he said, Dad, I'm learning from you. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, no, you did not. Just turn it. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're watching. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. So, so all, all of this, I mean, it, it's very true. And so, um, you know, it's, it's hard to lead people. We know this is true, too. We've said this. It's hard to lead people where we're not going ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's hard to lead people where we're not going ourselves. And so um, if there is the type of life that we want them to be leaning into, uh, how can we be faithful to Jesus? Well, it's, it's a quick self-check on our own lives first and say, okay, some of the pressures that are coming after this next generation are coming after our, our generation as well, um, you know, even those of us that are in our 40s. And so uh, how can we lead by example in that first as parents? Um, and then, you know, I, I think uh, the second piece of that is then uh, truly, truly be intentional in that. I can think being challenged in the last several months as a parent, um, to actually develop an intentional discipleship pathway mm. for the sake of my kids. Now, I'm, I, I engage with my kids. We talk about spiritual things often. We talk about scripture often. We'll even study scripture together. But I, I had to be really honest when, when I was asked the question, well, do you have an intentional discipleship pathway for your kids? 
No, not, not really. Not intentional that I have sat down and crafted this discipleship pathway. And I don't want to put too much parent pressure on parents, but, but at the same time, parents, there are times when, when some things just are really that important. And for me, that was one that put a little bit of pressure on me, raised a little bit of anxiety within me. But I also realize it's so important. What is more important than, than being able to say and know when, when my kids leave the house, I did, I gave it everything. I invested in them to the best of my ability. You know, I think for grandparents too, whatever influence that you have as well to be able to uh, shape mm -hmm. and craft the next generation to yeah. intentionally exert that influence uh, in healthy ways. You know, I think about, you know, everybody, whether you're connected to the next generation or not, um, one thing we can all do is pray. And we ought to all have a prayer burden for the, the kingdom of God and what's next for the kingdom of God. And, and the truth is the next generation is what's next. And so we ought to be praying uh, regularly. And one thing, you know, I've got a number of different prayer rhythms, uh, that, you know, alarms that go off during the mm -hmm. day. One of them that I don't have and that, I, that I'd like to have, and I think I'm going to add, is some sort of prayer for the sake of the next generation. Mm -hmm. Begging God, give us this next generation in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. for the sake of your kingdom. And, and I think it would be awesome if a bunch of people said, okay, here's how I'm going to be faithful to Jesus in this. Is I am going to join in prayer for the sake of the next generation every day. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have a prayer okay. burden for the sake of the next generation. So I think those are just a few ways that maybe we could uh, live out some faithfulness and practice. As we close, Rocky, I'll let you have last words on that. Anything else you would add of any practice? I think it can be quick that when we hear back from college students, graduates who have gone on what's next, what has helped your faith be strong? As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. we did that with a few of yeah. our students and yeah. could have had even more share what what are some of those things that help you stay firm in your faith and we kind of keep coming back to um, some similar themes and so i'll share them with those listening say this seems to <laughs> seems to be consistent prioritizing alone time with to listen to god when owen shared in the communion message yesterday you yeah. asked him about the burdens the pressures he's under and it had a lot to do with busyness mm -hmm. it's a lot of expectations going on in his life very normal for a junior senior in high school mm -hmm. he said that what helped him was going and getting alone with God now I think he said he went in nature mm -hmm. yeah that yep. often is helpful it doesn't have to be but that's mm -hmm. certainly helpful those rhythms we talked about a few minutes ago I think creating a rhythm of alone time with God yeah. daily is critical it's fundamental you got to do it and then committing to Christian community the other thing we constantly hear them saying is that I think we do great and I feel great about that we can provide that community well is um, giving them a space where they have like-minded people it's refreshing it's mm -hmm. they feel safe here and that they know at least one place they know at least a group of people who still buy this stuff who are listening to God and not with perfection but that so that would be those would be the practices I would say prioritizing alone time with God and mm -hmm. families especially families when you have influence with your kids committing mm -hmm. to Christian community we, we do ours in the context of uh, you know a youth gathering and small groups it doesn't have to be that it could be a house church it could be a, a lot of different things uh, yeah. I'll help out with FCA on some of the public school campuses here in our area and man I think that's a beautiful way on a school campus to have Christian community together so those would be a couple of practices that I think help us have that faith that stands firm in the Lord. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome.
Well, thank you guys so much both for that the wisdom you share. I think some really good, really good practices, habits that we could start to take into our weeks as we go out. Um, so I would encourage y'all to really take this to heart. Um, and thank you guys again for sharing. And thank you all for joining us this week on uh, this episode of Practice Makes Faithful. Mm-hmm. So next week, we'll be continuing with our series, Under Pressure. Um, Paul will be diving into the fourth part of that series now. That's right. yeah. And uh, we'll continue that conversation. So we do hope that y'all choose to tune in again. In the meantime, if you have any comments, feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out anytime. But until then, we uh, hope to see you all again next week.